As the situation in Ukraine worsens, the repercussions are steadily being felt more widely and more deeply. Not least for Russia, as the international community steadily tightens the sanctions which are designed to squeeze the Putin regime. But the problem with sanctions is clearly that they can also affect people who they are not aimed at. Here in Jersey, we're bracing for increasing fuel prices as the flow from Russia into Europe is steadily cut off. But when you fill your car up at the pumps here or turn the heating on at home, where does that fuel come from? How much more might you need to pay? And will all this just accelerate our journey to becoming carbon neutral? To answer all those questions, I'm joined on the Bailiwick News Pod this week by John Best, a director at one of the local fuel suppliers, ATF Fuels. Mr Best, thanks for coming in this morning to take part in the news pod. Now, I think we need to start by explaining exactly where do the fuel products we use in Jersey, where do they come from? In order to do that, we, we, um, we, we have to start out by saying that the majority of, if not all of the fuels that um, come into Jersey or imported into Jersey are actually from the UK. Um, but... Within the UK, we have to go further upstream from that to sort of understand uh, the makeup of the industry. Um, and in particular, in relation to what's happening in the, the east of Europe at the moment with Russia and Ukraine, it's worth saying that approximately only 6% of crude oil that is used to refine petroleum products was used by the UK in 2020. Um, as you're you no doubt aware, Boris Johnson has made a statement this week to uh, wean the UK off um, Russia oil altogether by the end of this year. Um, and the reason I, I point that out is um, the majority of the UK, therefore the majority of the UK crude oil is actually either from the North Sea, from the US or, or from from Norway. And those are the feedstocks that go into to refine uh, petroleum products. Okay, so just just pause there. So uh, essentially, ninety four percent of the crude in the UK is not sourced from Russia. Obviously, six percent, as of uh, last year's figures, I think you mentioned, is. But that may be changing in the future. That's correct. It may have changed already. Okay, so um, how does that then break down into the fuel products, which then uh, are refined and brought onto Jersey? Yeah. Okay. So if we start off, uh, I'll start off giving you an overview of, of petrol. The UK is a net exporter of petrol so the refining capacity what that means is the refining capacity in the uk is more uh, more than uh, equivalent for, for the, than its own requirements so the petrol that that um, is imported into jersey starts its life off in the uk is refined and then is brought across um to jersey um in that in that form um, and then if we look at diesel, uh, the UK is a net uh, importer of diesel. So it doesn't have enough refining capacity to match its requirements. So refined petroleum products such as diesel are, are uh, imported into the UK. And again, to, to, to fill that gap, um, the Norway uh, and the Norway, sorry, Norway and US contribute uh, to that. Also, one of the, 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 the major 
uh, other countries is is the Netherlands, and as you're no doubt aware, there's large uh, that the, ne- the Netherlands acts as a large storage hub for um, refined product. That refined product can come from a variety of other countries, other sources, so uh, other European countries, Middle East, etc. It's, it's it's really used as a um, a holding pot before it's traded and moved around either to, to other European countries or, or to the UK. So it's possible uh, so some of that may come from Russia, but it's, it's impossible to know how much and, and what, because yeah. it's, as you say, it's mixed. Absolutely. The, all that product is, is commingled into large storage tanks. So for somebody to ask what the provenance of, of that fuel is, it, it, at a molecule level, it, it, it's frankly impossible. Um, but I think as we... As we've already seen with with um, governments taking action, UK governments, European governments taking action with uh, the ongoing war in, in Russia, then that that those stock holdings will organically reduce um, uh, as as um, economies wean themselves off uh, Russian oil or fuel. Okay, so we've talked petrol and diesel. Just very quickly, any other products you want to mention? Uh, just very quickly, kerosene, which is a home heating oil, is is how I've described diesel. Um, it, it's pretty pretty much the same, with the exception that um, some of the imports, direct imports into the UK, come directly from from uh, the Middle East. Okay, so let's move on to the, to the uh, the point I think which people are raising this week, which is obviously pricing. I mean, it's going to be a very difficult situation for people as the situation in Ukraine develops and potentially prices go up uh, quite high. How, how do you how do you see as someone in the market? How do you see pricing change, uh, say in the short term this year? Um, to be completely honest with you, we'd we'd need a crystal ball to see. Uh, look forward and see what what is going to happen. I, I can only sort of give you a, a, an idea or a picture of what's happening or what's happened in, in most recent history. So if we go back to just two, three weeks ago um, uh, and taking the sort of average weekly market movements, we've seen increases week on week of 10p uh, week one, 10p uh, increases in week two in round numbers ac- across the um, across the products we've just mentioned, uh, and and this week uh, on a daily basis, the market opened up a further ten p on Monday, further ten p on Tuesday. So we were starting to see spot prices significantly higher than than actually what fuel is being retailed at uh, uh, on the island currently, whether that be heating oil or, or petrol and diesel. That said, Wednesday Thursday we saw the same um, size of movements work in reverse the markets drop back 10p a litre Wednesday 10p a litre Thursday so I, I have 22 years in I've had 22 years in the the fuel industry and I've never seen a market act like it like it's acting today so it's really difficult to 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 project or forecast what's going to happen in short medium or, or long term and how insulated or not are we from those fluctuations so I, I can obviously Obviously, really only talk about um, ATF and uh, our supply chain um, because we operate uh, a just-in-time supply chain. So we don't have large stock holdings. We we uh, have daily shipments in uh, of uh, fuel. Our our prices will match more closely the the market movements. Albeit we have different contractual arrangements and how we procure fuel from from our suppliers, but. In sort of holistic terms, the 
up or down our, our, our prices move more quickly. And are you, are you changing your prices daily at the moment or not? We're not changing them daily because of the commercial arrangements we have in place. We, we buy on, on different basis from, from our suppliers, um, but we are obviously monitoring the situation daily. Um, and, and I suppose it's worth pointing out, we're different, um, as, we, as we previously said, uh, to, to uh, other suppliers in Jersey, whereby they operate from a larger storage facility, have the potential to hold more stock and potentially don't have to pass on increases or decreases have the ability to pass increases or do as, as, as quickly uh, as we do. But again, they'll also have commercial um, ar- arrangements, how they pr- buy their fuel, whether that be on the spot market, on a lagged basis, uh, for buying forward, all of those those different sort of mechanisms are all considered within, within the fuel price. So it's it's not one easy answer to, to, to give. Is there anything else that can be done to try and uh, insulate customers from uh, from some of these increases? I mean, you, you've spoken that it's a just-in-time service, so effectively you've got to track the market. But there's there's nothing else that you... We'll come on to the government in a second, but there's nothing else you can do as a business to try and insulate people from those uh, volatile changes. Yeah, I mean, we, we try and uh, operate, uh, as any business should, uh, on a least cost basis to, to, to run our business. So we, we've done that since we started uh, in Jersey five years ago. We continue to do that. Um, it is very difficult um, for us to, well, it's, it's impossible to, uh, for, for a business our size or, in fact, any business in, in Jersey to influence the actual wholesale price uh, of fuel. It, it's, it's just impossible. So, unfortunately, if we're, if we're paying more for the fuel or less, then... Um, we have to pass that on to the consumer, otherwise we, we won't be in business. Okay, so I mentioned the government, you spoke to a scrutiny panel this week and you, you talked about uh, the government not going ahead with a, a, the 5p increase in, in, in duty. Um, why, why do you think they should do that? Why do you think they should remove that? I think it's just, there's, there's, at this point in time, I don't, possibly remove it is, is the wrong word, but at least suspend it or, or, or a portion of it for, for a period of time whilst we experience these um, the cost of living pressures that, that we are. And it, in actual fact, if you're considering fuel, it's not just the fuel price um, for the motorist or for, for somebody who's using oil to heat their homes. Every, um, uh, every transport company obviously uses fuel, grocery uh, retailers use fuel to move fuel to uh, move food to um, their stores so it, it's not just impacting the, the cost of living from a fuel perspective it, it's wide-ranging uh, and obviously influences the price of food that we're picking up out on the shelves as well but that would be a cost to the government presumably they'd have to fund that yeah um there would and, and we, we think there's a balancing out uh, currently available to, to do that for the government. So um, if there was a suspension of a proportion of the duty at the time, as things stand, um, if, we look, if we take a period in time 12 months ago to where we are today in terms of the increased revenue that the government are getting from uh, GST on, on uh, fuel sales, we're talking, according to our, to our uh, math, we're talking about uh, an increase of currently of um, 2.5p per litre, which is significant in fuel terms. It might not sound a lot, but when you when you, you take that over the total road transport 
volumes used in the island it's, it's, it's a big number and that's um that's a value that the government 12 months ago couldn't have foreseen to budget for so it, it's extra income and revenue that that, that that they have that could possibly be used to to offset a suspension of duty I mean, this does move us into the kind of the wider uh, trends that we're seeing at the moment, though, the carbon neutral roadmap um, lodged today, you know, we knew what was in it last um, uh, December. So some of those measures were uh, subsidies for buying electric vehicles, cheaper green fuel incentives to move away from fossil burning, heating, uh, importation of petrol, diesel cars, vans banned by 2030, you know, those measures that, that we know about. So um, that proposal lodged today. Do you not think, though, that these uh, increasing prices, you know, we don't know where the situation is going, going to go in the Ukraine. It could could get worse. It obviously could improve, but it's likely to get worse at the moment. It's just going to move those trends more quickly, isn't it, which is going to threaten um, how you go about business. I think it has the potential to. Um, what I would say, particularly in the transport industry, is... All that said, there still needs to be the infrastructure available towards to move towards uh, electrification of, of vehicles and, and electric vehicle use. So, as, as we've uh, said and, and we've pointed out uh, recently to the scrutiny uh, panel regarding the carbon neutral roadmap, what there needs to be an understanding of is that there are um, fuels available, transition fuels that have renewable elements that for that period of time will go in some way to helping the government achieve their carbon net zero goals whilst the infrastructure is built out and is in place for for, for that time. And of course, taking one step on from that, passenger vehicles are, uh, are the easiest vehicles to electrify. We're still going to have a demand for fossil fuels or biofuels uh, for for medium heavy duty goods vehicles that are a lot harder to uh, electrify so what would you like to see so the duty um low or even removed completely on sustainable fuel for this transition period so i think to change behavior that the um the duty on renewable fuel um the vet the, the sorry let me rephrase that. The, the cost variance is wide. So if we take um, uh, sec- second generation renewable fuel um, as a starting point uh, compared to, to standard diesel, so uh, the, the cost variance is approximately 70 pence per litre in the product cost. The, the government is um, suggesting to subsidise that by 32p a litre. So it's still 40p a litre more than, than, than standard road diesel We've seen the price of standard road diesel increase. Renewable diesel is linked to the price of standard road diesel, so that will that will again organically move upwards, if or, or backwards, depending on the market movements. Um, anyway, so I don't or we don't believe that a level of thirty p, forty uh, p a litre with the subsidy more than standard diesel, it's sufficient to change um, consumer behaviour, and. and in actual fact, what we what we actually believe is that if we're using a greener fuel such as a second generation diesel, it should be used in a more targeted way. So for the buses, public transport, for example, possibly taxis, I don't, uh, that, that would be more that would be harder to control, and 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 that way we could have a greener public transport fleet, and hopefully encourage people to get out their cars, um, uh, and and into public transport. 
do, do you worry about the viability of the industry? The reason I ask that is that, you know, we've, they've been taught this, this week of prices going up as high as 175 a litre. You know, we've got no idea whether that actually happen or not. But if we do start to reach those levels, um, so people change their behaviour, you know, they stop, they, they buy less, basically, because yeah. they do other things. But, you know, when, when do you become concerned about viability? I think, yeah, the, the, there is definitely that consideration. Uh, as I previously said, there, there is going to be a, a period of transition where volumes are going to decrease anyway. This this may or may not accelerate those, those decreases. And I think that's where we have to look as an island, actually, what our um, infrastructure going forward, what our infrastructure requirements are. Do we have overcapacity? Are, are we... Are we paying for a storage facility that is um, too too large for the island's requirements? Is is a more um, suitable uh, supply chain, a just-in-time supply chain, where um, volumes can be brought across on a as-needed basis rather than um, significant volumes that will sit in storage tanks for a longer period of time? John Best, thanks for your comments. And we'll keep you fully up to date with how all this develops, both here on the News Pod, but also on its sister politics podcast and on bailiwickexpress.com and on DAB Radio. Incidentally, this week's politics pod is with the Environment Minister, John Young. That's out now and you can find it in all the usual pod places. You know what to do, like and share until you can like and share no more. We'll be back with more on the news pod next week, but for now, thanks for listening.